everybody. This is Kimberly. And this is Katie. And this is Josh Mankiewicz. <laughs> Perfect. Because this is a Josh episode. Yay. We love Josh. Yes, we do. We did not expect another Josh so soon. But no. this was an episode that he and Shane Bishop, the producer, put together, I think, very fast because the trial just happened. So Shane said on Twitter that he's been very busy. Oh, wow. So this episode is called Murder in Kitchen One. You may have heard of it if you follow the true crime Twitter obsession that I follow. Basically, I got notified by 17 people about this case and was like, when is Dateline going to do this? Just because the log line for what you like the elevator pitch for what you would say about this. I can't give it away without doing the episode first. So I'm do not going to do that. Do it halfway through or three quarters. Halfway through. So this episode is called Murder in Kitchen One. And if you didn't think that Katie was going to come up with a lot of culinary puns, you would be right because she didn't. She's shaking her head at me. The minute I saw this title, I started to sweat. <laughs> oh, the pressure. The pressure. Oh, the pressure for chef puns. Let's go. I don't cook that much. I do my HelloFresh meals, but I don't think that qualifies I was think just thinking, why don't we have a HelloFresh ad this week? I don't know. So I mean, disappointing. I, I eat a lot of baked goods. He was not a baked goods kind of chef. Right. He was a chopping. But I have right. watched a lot of Top Chef. So let, I'm going to give it a whirl. I'm going to give it a go. The secret ingredient is murder. Ooh, Isn't that what they do? The big, that's great. The big ingredient? Yes, it's very good. So this episode aired on June 10th, 2022, season 30, episode 29, hosted by our BFF, Josh Mankey, with the spatula. No. Uh, yeah. Wait. This happens in Portland, 2018. A man is found shot at the Oregon Culinary Institute. Its motto at the Oregon Culinary Institute is training kitchen people. This was a school and a restaurant where the students made lunch and dinner. So kind of like those schools where you can get your hair cut, I think. Oh, yeah, don't do that. This I would do. I don't think these chefs are going to kill you. But if they cut your bangs and they give you <laughs> bangs, if they give you Courtney Cox in Scream 2 bangs, that that is irreversible, at least not for several months. But food poisoning is over in a day or two. So. But at that point, I feel like you're asking for it. If you're going to a hair school and you're asking for any kind of, quote, fringe around right. your face, what do you think is going to happen to you? I mean, they have a s supervisors, but the supervisor is not holding the scissors. Two, two words for you if you're going to one of those schools. Blunt cut. The end. Yeah. That's it. No yeah. color. I went to a beauty school and asked for a mohawk. That's a story for another time. But that did happen. <laughs> Needless to say, I didn't walk out with one. But I walked out shorn. It's not good. Anyways, let's press on here. Sorry. Detectives go to this industrial room called Kitchen One. Which made me, it sounds very formal. It sounds like Air Force One. Important like things it. are happening in that kitchen. Yeah. Yeah. The victim is a chef and teacher, Dan Brophy. And he is one of the Institute's OGs, which Mank says stands for Original Gourmets. 
I kept one thinking he was going to say gourmands, which I think is a totally different word and might not actually be a word. Did you think that a gourmet could be a food or a book or an item and gourmand referred to a person? Maybe. That's what I thought. Maybe. I think we're both wrong. Dan, and that's never happened before. Dan has been teaching there for 12 years, and he's been a chef for four decades, well-known on the Portland culinary scene. He was 63. He apparently had driven to the school and turned off the building's alarm at 722. And 10 minutes later, his colleague found him shot and dead. So Mm. it's a very short window for when the crime had to have happened. Wait, 722, and what time is he found? 10 minutes later. Whoa, okay. He was at the sink preparing when he was, or prepping, I guess is what chefs say, when he was shot in the back and then in the chest. It was an execution. Someone seemed to specifically want him dead. There are two shell casings there, no gun. And Mank says to the detectives, when they don't take the time to pick up the brass, what does that say to you? I loved it. I also was a little confused because in my mind, the brass means the cops, the top brass, the people in charge on Law and Order, they call the top brass. Right. But But apparently brass also can mean bullet shells. Also, isn't a brassair, isn't that a type of a thing? I thought maybe he was doing that. No, it's a brassy... B-R-A-S-S-I-E-R-E. Brassier? Brassier. Hold on. We're good with words today. Nope, we're doing really good. Hold on. Brassier is... Excuse me. Never mind. <laughs> what is it? Wow. All I'm getting is brassier. <laughs> That's... I'm, oh, here it is. Okay, I spelled it totally wrong. It's a French restaurant serving simple, hearty food. So it's a bistro and a brassier. I can't. Okay. Yes, that know. does sound familiar. Does yeah. that sound familiar? Okay. Absolutely. So yes. I'm I wondering if that. that word is actually pronounced. Please just give me the the pronunciation. Here we go. Here we go. Brewery. Brewery. No. Brasserie. 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 Yes. Um, so, I have. I totally knew all this. It's just it wasn't in my brain until you said it. But I, it is in there, right? Okay. Yes, one hundred percent. It's in there. Yes. So my, I thought that he was making a cooking pun. I thought oh, he was I doing kind of a double meaning on it. Yeah, he was not because I don't that think word he was pronounced blossomly. So it's word. It's done. <laughs> We're done here. So then we see something strange, which we have not. V- almost ever seen before which is a b-roll shot well just a photo of mank doing his thing doing his reporter thing in front of a camera crew and then a woman in the photo gets highlighted and then she becomes part of the story so apparently this woman vanessa used to work at dateline and then worked for the institute as a marketing specialist And she shot all of the footage of Dan teaching that we're seeing throughout the episode. So she knew Dan and she used to work for Dateline and now she appears on Dateline, which is either meta or Inception. Not sure which. Maybe that's the same thing. Vanessa was shocked when she heard about Dan. She's a great interview. We hear more from her later. Yeah. Dan's wife, Nancy, talks to the police. 
I don't know why I did it all. So you, Because you know where I'm going with this. It was very dramatic. Nancy. But did you know right away in this episode? You did. I knew because I've kind of been following the case because it's there's a certain element of it that made it very Twitterable. Hence the elevator pitch. Okay, I'm excited. All right, I'm not sure what that element is. Okay, really? Am I just not, am I just being, I'm being a little thick right now. Just, it's fine. So. It'll come to me. Okay. Okay, so she talks to the police. She tells them that Dan oh. got up early. Yeah, I know what it is. All right, go ahead. Okay. <laughs> she tells them that Dan got up early and went to work while she was still in bed. The detective finally tells her that Dan is deceased, sadly. And we are seeing the captions on the screen of what he's saying. And for some reason, there's only audio of the conversation with her. So we're getting audio of her reaction, which is good. But the B-roll they're using is slow panning over a kitchen. And then they kind of slow down and do some extreme close-ups of some cheese graters right when she's finding out that he's deceased it was a little strange for me no was that shade is it because they think her voice is grating i don't think so that's very that would be a hard to decipher see i didn't even think of it that's a deep level of shade it's so (laughs) deep shade (laughs) deep shade so there they tell her i'm so sorry dan is deceased and nancy says yeah i kind of got that when everybody gave me the sad sack look that is the weirdest response i've ever heard yeah i figured it because everyone was giving me pouty face what everyone looked really bummed out and when they were looking at me i figured no big whoops i figured that's a weird no thing it's weird. So the detective is being so nice, saying, just breathe. It's okay. And she's not even upset. But he's being so nice, like he's talking to someone who's very upset. And she says, here's the terrible thing. Even if you find who shot him, it's not going to bring him back, which is another really weird thing to say right after you found out your husband died. Because usually, find who did this for Until they find who did it, the family wants you to find who did it. And then when they prosecute that person, the family says, I'm glad there's justice, but it won't bring him back. Is it right away? Right away. Is it right in that phone call? In that that conversation with her, Mm, she says, I mean, it's not going to bring him back, whoever, if you find out who shot him. It's almost like she's telling them, don't investigate. I don't need to know who did it. See, and I totally thought I related with that complete thought when she said it. And she says, I just want him back. I don't care who did it I because it's not going to bring him back to me and I want him here now. I kind of understood that. But now that I'm thinking about it, that it was in that conversation. No, you would absolutely want justice. Justice is a dish best served piping hot. Yes. <laughs> Steaming pile of justice. lift that lid off the pan and that justice wafts up and gives you a little steam facial hot justice pile all right (laughs) justice hot pot (laughs) then she does get a little bit upset i can't tell if they're real tears because i can't see video but audibly to me it didn't sound super authentic it did not 
when you talk, it's not yeah. even this much because she doesn't know how to do the hyperventilate breathe, breathing right. fake out. Like that one girl in the ambulance who needed oxygen. Yeah. She's very upset, but she really could just be doing this with her voice. Exactly. But I don't have That's... tears coming. I'm just well done. changing my voice. Thanks. No, I'd be great. If you need a fake out <laughs> call, I'm your one. But Linda's. Sorry, she's not Linda. She reminds me of a Linda for some reason. Yeah, Nancy's, she could be. She could be a Linda. Nancy's best friend, Tanya, sits with Mank at a restaurant. And Tanya knew both Dan and Nancy very well. He moonlighted cooking for an assisted living home and worked for Tanya also. He did a lot of cooking things. All just all the cooking all the time. Yeah. So they work together and then we go to commercial and lester says when we come back ingredients for a mystery and i was upset yeah because i could tell right away that lester and mank are going to take away all of my potential alternative titles and i was very upset we'll take them back reclaim them reclaim how do them. i take them back yeah so just put it as your title and say less lester be darned I wanted this for one of my titles, and I think it's a great title. No one's going to believe me that I thought of it independently of Lester. There was never any rule that these had to be incredibly clever. They just had to be good alternative titles. No one said they have to be snappy and fresh they and new. They did have to be original and not plagiarized, though. That's not in the constitution of our okay. podcast. There's enough podcasts out there plagiarizing that I don't think we need to jump on the plagiarizing train. Oh, was that shade? Ooh, yes, controversial. <laughs> <laughs> That's a callback to our date with the bakes. Thank you to all 15 people that listened and got that joke. So Vanessa, formerly of Dateline, thought it could have been a student maybe that killed Dan because he could come off a bit crusty, as Manx says, which I thought was funny because crusty crusty bread it's no, it's, it's all great. in that it's same perfect. milieu of food it is so he wasn't i don't think any more crusty per se than most chefs at least the ones that we've gotten to know on i'm only thinking of one chef specifically who katie can do an impression of very well donkey <laughs> i'm only one? thinking of gordon ramsay yes yeah because I don't watch a lot of cooking shows. Actually, I watch Worst Cooks in America, and they're pretty nice. Anne is a little cranky. I'm sorry. You watch another cooking show. Oh, Bake Off. Bake Off. Paul Hollywood is also crusty, I guess, as you would oh, say. Oh, yes. So yes. Dan trained with a bunch of tough European chefs, so he doesn't have time for... There's no crying in kit cooking. That's probably what he would yell at people. There's not. And they, I would not. I'd be scared of it. Of a Euro chef. Yeah. Yeah. So there's a video of Dan saying, I don't really believe in human rights. I think he means in the kitchen. <laughs> like these, I'm not their parent. I think what he's trying to say is like, I'm their chef. I'm not their mommy. I'm not going to coddle you. You don't have rights in this. This is not a democracy. This is a chef rockracy. Do you need a trivet for that hot take? Because that was intense. They just let it go. Yeah, the dateline doesn't comment. Mank doesn't comment. They just drop that like a pancake that fell on the floor and then they just walk away. Also, 
he lives in Portland and he goes foraging. I think he's, I think he believes in human rights. I think he does too. To a, to a big degree, if I, I had to I don't think guess. he would survive in Portland if he didn't believe in human rights. Certainly not the foraging community. No. Yeah. <laughs> the, for, the foraging community, although you might think is very hippie, from what I saw from a Bob's Burgers episode, can also be extremely cutthroat. And they will cut a bee to get their hands on the sweet, sweet, rare fungi, and they don't want you to have it. Do you like truffles? No. Well, not. I don't like mushrooms. You know, I have a huge thing about mushrooms. But tr- but you can't see a truffle. Like, usually, right. unless you're in an e- unbelievably expensive restaurant, I have never, I have yet to see a truffle besides in a little teeny tiny chunk. You know? I'm, I'm okay with truffle fries. That's as far as I've gone. You're okay? I mean, I don't, like, specifically prefer them over regular fries. If you are given the option at a restaurant to, oh, do you want to make those truffle fries? Are you yes or no? Probably no. Garlic truffle fries, I do like. But it's really just the garlic part that I like. Okay, we're off track. So Dan would take students on field trips to the coast. He had a degree in marine biology. He was a bon vivant. And gourmand, I just threw in that, of and the brasserie. <laughs> and he loved patisserie. Patisserie. He loved foraging, or aka foraging, for edible mushrooms. And that took me back to our last mushroom episode where we said we didn't, we thought the word was foraging and not hunting. But apparently, and I heard from so many people who said, no, you can hunt mushrooms. It's also called hunting. Very, very upset with us. And Mank said foraging. So thank you, Mank. You had our back. Appreciate it. I appreciate it. I had forgotten about that drama. I'm glad that's over. (laughs) I still get, the problem is people listen to our old episodes, which we love, but they'll sometimes just out of nowhere say, you can also call it hunting mushrooms. (laughs) Thanks, guys. I don't think you can. And I think that Josh Mankiewicz has just proven that it's called foraging. Let's move on. Let's all just move on. It's foraging (laughs) mushrooms. So he loved, he was an enthusiastic forager. He was a beekeeper. He was a gardener and an avid composter. Vanessa, the first day that she met him, he gave her some bags made out of compost, which sounds very cool. And she said, these feel really good. And he said, do you want me to leave you alone with them? Which is not appropriate, Dan, in the workplace, but... My dad would say the same thing. I think it just lends you to see that his humor is very dry. And I don't think it was leery the way he said it right. was lecherous. I think it was just, no. oh, you want to be left alone and no. walked away. I don't just don't. I think he's that guy. I think so, too. And I think he sounds awesome and delightful. They call him curmudgeon which is one of my favorite kinds of people. Yes. Because I am a bit of a curmudgeon and have been since I was 14. Let's be real. Nine. Curmudgeons unite. So his sense of humor was known as saying brophyisms because of his last name. And he said things like, the job wouldn't go so slow if you only did it faster. And <laughs> how do you fix a sick chicken with a shovel? Oh, and wow. you can eat any exotic mushroom once. So he's a dad. He's a dad. He's I would I would have loved to have known Dan. I think he sounds 
just my kind of people. Yeah. He donated meals to the homeless every week. He was also a do-gooder. Wow. Incredible. Nancy, his wife, was a student at a cooking school where Dan taught and was Tanya's roommate. One day she came home and asked, you know, what's the story with Dan? And Tanya said, well, he's married. And Nancy said, that won't last. And Tanya said, don't be dipping your candle in somebody else's wax. Which is... I don't... I think I've heard it, but it doesn't make sense to me. Why are you dipping a candle in wax? A candle is made of wax. Why wouldn't it be dipping your wick in somebody else's flame? I, I don't want to hear wax. I, I the Wax is the word I'm having a hard time with. Dipping something in something like Light sort your of match. soft and squishy, On, like yeah. wax, is this is an so unpleasant you're not into that visual. Wax I'm, play. I'm not into an unpleasant visual about what's happening here. I don't okay. like the dipping of the candle. It's phallic. I'm not also, into it. But you it's not something you do. You don't take a candle and dip it into another body of wax because it is itself a hardened body of wax. It will just that melt. That is true. No, you if you, you put dip. it in a body of wax. If you're dipping anything, you're taking the candle, dipping the wick in to the fire to light your candle. But Tanya, we we're we're big fans. We're just yeah, I'm a fan of Tanya. So Nancy graduated. She opened up a catering company, and suddenly she and Dan were married. They both had a divorce under their belts. He had a son, Nathaniel, who liked Nancy. It was clear to everyone that they were in love with each other. His joke was Bob. Well, it's not really kind of a Bob joke, which another dad joke would be like, if, hey, Dan, can you come with us this weekend? I'm going to have to ask management. I loved it. It's a dad. It's a Dan slash dad joke. Was Love this it. what was trending on Twitter? This isn't it. This should have been it. <laughs> you think this is the log line or the elevator pitch for this no, episode? I have a feeling I know man what it likes is. dad jokes. But I think this should have been it. The management thing is really funny. I've never heard anybody do that before. I'm gonna have to but ask the management. You know, you've never heard somebody say, "I'm gonna have to ask the boss." I've heard, no, I've heard them say the wife or, yeah, maybe the boss, but management specifically is very funny because of Karen's. It just makes me laugh. (laughs) And I'm not sure, but I'm guessing that Nancy might have a tiny streak of Karen in her. Oh, I can see that. Okay. And I, but we don't shame Karen's. We have lovely, you're not supposed to shame No, I'm talking about, I'm so sorry. I'm talking about Karen with a lowercase k in the general sense. With the Kate Gosselin hair. That yeah. wants to speak to the manager. That so, specific one, the memed lowercase k Karen. Yes. Yeah. So she was clearly in charge, though, Nancy. She wore the apron in that she pulled the apron strings in this relationship. <laughs> Nancy sold the catering company. Then she sold insurance. And I know all of our Uh-oh. ears perked up when Uh-oh. we heard insurance. What Uh-oh. kind of insurance, Mank? Tell us what kind. Her real passion, though, was writing mysteries and romance novels. And she often combined the two into something that she called romantic suspense novels. Was this it? This was no. it. No. Are we, you serious? No. We see some of her books and the we're, oh my God, they're all scattered on a table. 
best b Are those ever. all her books? Yeah. So there was a series of them okay. called The Wrong Seal. Well, one was called The Wrong Seal. I thought they were all called The Wrong Seal. But then apparently they were, it, it was about someone in the military, a seal, and but something happened. I don't know. Was he a killer? Then there was another one, The Wrong Cop. And then there was one called The Wrong Lover. And then oh. there was one called The Wrong Husband. And oh. then Mank says, you get the idea. Was there the wrong chef? The wrong gourmand? Exactly. Mm-hmm. So the tagline for all of these books in this series is wrong never felt so right. And I think we found our next selection for our Patreon book club. I'm thinking we go with the wrong seal because honor our military for the fourth. I of can't. July. I feel like it's <laughs> dishonor to do this. That's dishonorable. We can't do this. It's not right. There's the covers of these books. So there's one that has a guy who looks like Eminem in Eight Mile and he's posing shirtless. He's the seal. And then there's another one with a guy in the water, waist up, in a wet white t-shirt. I'm not sure which one he was. And then there's another one with a guy in sunglasses, also shirtless, pointing a gun straight out at you, whoever's reading the Shirtless cop, cop. hot cop, and Mank calls them bodice rippers. Okay. Did you know that? Yeah, I've heard them called that. I've never heard that. Well, I worked in a bookstore. I spent a lot of time analyzing the women that went into that section. And when I'd have to stock that, to me, it was very laughable. Now that I'm a woman of a certain age, I might revisit and see if I still find them laughable. But Is it? First of all, I feel like you could write them in your sleep, number one. (laughs) Let's just say maybe you. it's time for you to get another hobby. (laughs) Get on it. I mean, the Twilight books. I mean, the... Not the Twilight books. The Fifty Shades of Grey books were fan fiction for the Twilight series. That's how it started out. She just wrote fan fiction and it turned into best-selling author. Bazillionaire. Yeah. Wow. Okay. So you're telling me this isn't the thing that was trending on Twitter, but I I can't believe it because she was a romance novelist. It's kind of crazy. Was she successful? Do no. we know how many books she sold? No, but I will get to that when we do Twitter. <laughs> There's a very funny tweet from okay. Shane, the producer. But I can think of the perfect idea for her next book. Yes. The Wrong Con Man, colon, French Deception. <gasps> Hundreds of millions of dollars. Gone. Sacre bleu. Some of the richest people on the planet, giant companies, banks, all conned out of their fortunes by one man, the wrong con man. That's what I'm calling him. He is a man that many of his own victims call a genius, Gilbert Sheikley. Oh, How much is Gibel. he going to be on the next cover of her next romance novel? This is the story that is covered in Wondery and Pineapple Street Studios' new true crime podcast, Persona, The French Deception. It's the unbelievable story of one of the greatest criminal masterminds of the 21st century. For more than 10 years, Gilbert tapped into his victims' deepest fears, appealed to their sizable egos, and ultimately pioneered a scam that took over the world. 
But his story is more than just a tale of criminal genius. It's a story about the moment we're living in right now, the golden age of scammers Uh and the power of seduction. Oh, yeah. But what happens when the fantasy we've been lured into finally crumbles away? Well, I'm not going to give that away. That's not what this is about. You're going to have to listen to find out. Follow Persona, The French Deception, wherever you get your podcasts, or you can listen early on Amazon Music or early and ad-free by subscribing to Wondery Plus in Apple Podcasts or the Wondery app. Ha <laughs> ha. The French Deception. I love it so much. I can't I wait. love it. And I've just given you an idea, Nancy, for your next book. So you're welcome. Yeah. I get 10%. Tanya who Nancy's best friend says that they would bust Dan's chops at work, like hearing about all these romance things and saying, Dan, you must be a firecracker in bed. And he would say, shut up. This is a workplace. No, he was, he said, shut up and probably laughed because he's a funny curmudgeon. And also I think the rules of a normal workplace don't apply in a kitchen. So, Oh, I think there's just a whole different set of rules, but they're very serious. Yeah. So they were also active grandparents to Nathaniel's daughter, and they were making plans for retirement. I honestly, I think he would just do exactly what he's doing, but without the teaching and the cooking for the retirement home. He's still going to forage in retirement. He's still going to garden. He's doing all of the retirement things as a hobby. He would just get to do more of them full time. And maybe they buy an Airstream. Oh, yeah, I could see that. He could forage across the country. Exactly. And they go up to Banff. I feel like they Mm -hmm. hang out in Canada, maybe. Yeah. They have a compost bin that's attached to the back of the RV. Yep. Done. Yeah. So then (laughs) Mank says, who had developed a taste for murder? Taste. Because of, again, that could have been one of my titles. No, he did great. I I I thought we were friends. He did exceptionally well. Exceptionally well. He always in this episode. Yeah. Hundreds of people showed up for a memorial in which Nancy spoke and said he loved teaching. He loved mushrooms, which made me laugh. That was a funny I, thing. I don't know why that made me laugh. He loved teaching. He loved mushrooms. I don't know. It's just a funny thing to say as one of the things he loves. But I love that's how much he loved them. And I yeah, love I people having interesting that when they geek out about things i wonder if he felt like truffles were a fraud i feel like people who really love mushrooms roll their eyes at people like me and are like she's a basic you know what oh and so that's interesting i very much like the taste of the truffle flavoring but that's very interesting. He, he may um, have found I, me quite annoying. Let me know. Let us know on social media if you're huge into the mushroom hunting slash foraging game. Do you think people who like truffles are basic bees? I think like, that we hey. know the answer. And no, I, really... I don't think so. They could think, "Wow, everyone is now on board with the truffle. We've been searching for the almighty truffle for generations, and now everyone is on board with the truffles." So Dan had his wallet on him when he was shot. He had his watch, keys to his truck. There is no expensive cooking equipment taken. So it's not a burglary. No one was trying to steal a pasta maker or a stove. I don't something expensive. Knives. Knives Knives are expensive. Other things that are expensive in a kitchen. Kitchen KitchenAid mixer. There we go. (laughs) The only expensive thing. 
I don't know. Anything from Sir La Table. Yeah. So people thought that he was a curmudgeon and had a dry sense of humor, but he didn't really have any enemies. And there was no sign of forced entry because Dan would open up the garage door when he'd come in to load things, and then he would just leave it open. So somebody, anybody could really come in. There are no security cameras at the school. Because probably nothing like this should ever happen at a place like that. I mean, why would they need stuff like that? Yeah. Of course not. Nancy starts to prepare to sell their house. She said it was too painful to be there. The family was getting used to the thought that this would be unsolved. But they don't know that behind the scenes, detectives are doing a lot of work. They get suspicious when a few days after the murder, Nancy calls detectives to ask about life insurance. And again, she's quite flippant in the way that she talks. She says, I don't want to be the stupid question of the day, but I think I'm going to have to be the stupid question of the day. This is two or three days after her husband was killed. and right. But I don't want to judge people's reaction, except I am a little bit. And <laughs> she says, so basically, the insurance company wants you to write a letter saying that I'm no longer a suspect. No longer implies she thinks she was a suspect. And again, it's only been a couple days. It's very strange. Also, she used to work in insurance. She might have a better understanding of how things worked. The detective just says, why would you need that? And she says, well, they don't want to pay if it turns out that secretly I went down to the school and shot my husband. It's such a stupid little policy. I can't believe I have to jump through these hoops. It's only $40,000. We weren't insured for millions. She has real Pam Hup energy. It's very strange. I did not put that together. She absolutely does. Good call. Yeah. And so so she says, we weren't insured for millions. And then Mank says to us, well, as we say around here, or were they? Josh. I love when I love that. Not we love- say that. Who says that? Or Keith. were they? Keith. He said it too, I'm sure. <laughs> it's maybe more known as a Keith thing. Andrea's never said it. I can guarantee that. I don't think Dennis has said it. Yeah, I don't think so either. I feel like this is very much a Keith line, and I think it's funny that he's not saying, or as my I mean, friend Keith says. The ri- the hysterical, playful rivalry that Keith and Mank mm-hmm. have, it wouldn't surprise me if he did this as like a funny wink wink. It is the first thing I thought. So that's very That's funny. hilarious. So then the detectives discover... Here we go. Here's the elevator pitch. Here's the log line. In 2011, Nancy had written a blog post called How to Murder Your Husband, (laughs) which would make the log line author of How to Murder Your Husband is arrested for murdering her husband. I'm sorry. How many people were reading Nancy's blog? That doesn't matter. It's when this story came out that she had already written this thing and was now under suspect for murdering her husband. She, so I, you know, I had to pause the screen and read the blog. And it starts and it says, as a romantic suspense writer, which is how I learned that that's what she calls them. Romantic suspense are her books. I spent a lot of time thinking about murder. After all, if if the murder is supposed to set me free, I certainly don't want to spend any time in jail. And let me say clearly for the record, I don't like jumpsuits and orange isn't my color. And someone reading would be like, ha ha, she's so witty. I have to follow this author. That's what she was thinking would happen. Or in the 
early 2010s and late 2000s, whenever blogs were popular, yeah, go, uh, a lot fine. of authors would get hired to write a book by a publishing firm. They would scout writers by reading blogs, and then you could make a book out of your blogs, essentially, like a collection of essays, or maybe if your blogs tell a story of your life, you could turn it into a thing. I think that happened a lot. So that's probably what she was hoping would happen. Anyways, she lists the motives for murder. Hmm. Financial, lying, cheating, fell in love with somebody else. So... The police are very suspicious of this. They've never had a suspect that actually wrote how to get away with killing your husband. However, this was seven years before the murder. So it's not like she wrote this a month before the murder. And it's written very tongue in cheek. Obviously, she's trying to be funny. She does list the options to consider for how to do the murder. And option number one is gun. And he was shot. Also listed, though. Uh, poison. She says okay. arsenic is good and fairly easy to get, but it takes them months to die. And who wants a sick husband? <laughs> She's funny. This is Higher- so Pam Hup. This is so Pam Hup, right? <laughs> if Pam Hup was a blogger and a romance novelist, which right. Pam Hup probably thinks she is. Well, Pam obsessively read true crime books. So I wonder if Pam tried to write one. I feel like she 100% did, yeah. Yeah. So another option, hiring a hitman. But then it says, but do you know a hitman? Neither do I. Uh, And then hiring a lover. But she says this is a bad idea. It never works out well for the lover. You probably are going to have to kill them too. So don't go with that. My favorite of all the options, random heavy piece of equipment. So I assumed she meant like crushing him with a falling soda machine or something like that. Like kitchen equipment? Right. You know, or a jukebox just falls and then electrocutes them like in the movies or something. But he did work in a kitchen, so it would be more like a freezer. A freezer falls on him. But what's weird is, so it says random heavy piece of equipment, and then she says, like a bat or a pipe wrench, something you might just happen to have in your hands. So I feel like that was like, Maybe a different option, and she combined two by accident. Piano. A bat or a pipe wrench, I don't consider a random heavy piece of equipment. Also, that's not falling on someone. That's actually striking someone with that. Well, I said falling. Oh, okay, okay, okay. But I just, I don't know. Maybe I misread it, but... It didn't, that one didn't go the way I thought it was going to go. And no, then, it's the way you said it does not seem like it should be something that you're hitting someone with. Okay. Right. Press on. Sorry. Yeah. So that makes me think she's not a very good writer because you want the people reading it to really be in that place with you. And I was in a, compl- I was on the other side of the football field. Wow. Sorry. Harsh. I just shaded her. I find it easier to wish people dead than to actually kill them. That was another thing she said. Mm. And then she says, I don't want to worry about blood and brains spattered on my walls. And I'm not good at remembering lies, which is very interesting for later. Interesting, interesting, interesting. But the thing I know about murder is that every one of us has it in them if pushed far enough. So, which is interesting. I think most people think that no, not everyone has it in them, even though I think everyone does have it in them. But 
I think most people say, oh, they would never do that. They would never. But she's in that. She's a right. She's a writer of romantic suspense novels. She thinks everyone has it in them. But mm. so do I. So and that doesn't mean I'm a murderer. So wow. detectives arrest her and we don't totally find out why until later. What I will say, since I've already shaded her about her writing skills, and I already did it on Twitter, so the cat's out of the bag. In her mugshot, she looks exactly like Tom Randolph, the widower. (gasps) Exactly. I did a side-by-side, and people said, I thought that was him. Wow. Also, they should never meet. No, that... No. No. No, 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 no. They need to stay far away from if each other. If she was his next wife, who's yeah. going to kill who? Oof. That would I mean, be good. He has it, would more be like experience. A it would be like a race to the finish. It would be. But he has more experience in the murders. But I feel like she's cleverer. Interesting. So Tanya thinks it's a mistake. She obviously didn't do this. And right. Dan's son, Nathaniel, doesn't really know what to think. The case is mocked on TV shows like Jimmy Kimmel who doesn't really have that funny of a joke, but I'm going to give him a pass on that. I think he's very funny. I think he's very funny, but the joke just didn't really land to me. It's like they say life imitates art, but this is death imitating art because of her blog post. That's not that funny. It was a slow night. It's all right. Yeah, but you see why this is the log line and the elevator pitch because she wrote that blog post. You're still not uh, totally on board with that. No, I'm sorry. I think, in my opinion, the elevator pitch is the thing that's going to sell the story. And I guess the romance that she wrote romance novels was very interesting to me. And the management was very interesting to me. And this (laughs) was interesting. (laughs) I love that you think it was going to be like, man murdered who once called his wife the management when asked if he could go fishing I, I, When you told me that and I looked down at my notes, I was like, oh, it's definitely the management. And if not, it's the <laughs> romance novels. I don't think we are have the same definition of log line. I don't think I, I haven't worked in the business as much as you. It's unfair. It's an unfair advantage. And also, I'm kind of thick. The headline for all these articles that everyone was forwarding me was, Woman who wrote How to Murder My Husband is Arrested for Murdering Her Husband. Because it's a blog. And to me, that's not a published thing. Like a blog is kind of like your so-and-so is like, hey, look at my blog. And it's all about them living healthy and lies about there what a great are bloggers mom they are. Who and make I can't bank. I know. And I just kind she of didn't. It's, it's not she something I enjoy that much. And so that to me is what nobody ever read that, but people definitely read her romance novels about the wrong cop and the wrong seal and the wrong. And but so like, I, if like, he was a cop or a seal, maybe the, it's the yeah. irony of it. But it was the wrong husband. It was the the wrong husband was there. Oh no, you're right. That's true. That's true. So I don't uh, know. It's no. I think I just didn't understand the assignment. It's fine. Let's keep going. I I didn't explain it right. No, so, I, you explained it fine. And everyone right now, this is another one of those umpire moments where people are screaming. So it's yeah. fine. Let's just press on. I made a mistake. Uh, and I apologize. I'm, it was not called, it would have been more ironic if it was called How to Get Away with Murdering Your Husband. It was just called How to Murder Your Husband. But if she had written How to Get Away with Murdering Your Husband and then had gotten arrested for murdering right. her husband, that would, that would be great. hilarious. But yeah. So we meet the prosecuting team, Nicole and Sean, and they're just a good-looking 
I don't think they're dating, but I was shipping them. Well, so so was everyone else, or they're related. great together. They think that the blog post is very damning, but before the trial starts... Just, which was just a couple months ago, the judge rules that her blog post can't be seen by the jury because it would be too prejudicial. And it doesn't really prove anything enough to justify it maybe being prejudicial. And, and it only had 300 views. So. <laughs> that doesn't matter. I keep telling you that doesn't matter. It's that she wrote it. And also, 300 is super generous. I do oh, not it think it had 300 views. 33 views. 33. And 32 of them were hers repeatedly going to that site. I don't know. I'm not a huge um, blog uh, connoisseur. How to murder your husband is not something you should be Googling. Because if, again, that's going to look bad. Yeah. But this was seven years ago. She probably wasn't planning on murdering her husband seven years ago. Or maybe she was. We don't know. But you're not going to get the views you want because nobody's going to be searching for that unless they're writing for research, right? Right. And if she did decide to murder her husband later, why would she not go back and delete the blog? It's really good point. Up. Yeah, I, so, Nancy, we need to talk. I don't know what's going on here. She's not All that right. bright. So then they find a laptop in her closet, and it is so much more damning than the blog post. Six months before the murder... She visited a website called Ghost Guns, which are unserialized, unregistered, which are soon to be in the hands of the Senate to approve the ban of them. But you have to assemble them yourself. They send them to you in pieces. And obviously, because they're unregistered and unserialized, they're hard to track. And if you commit a crime with them, all of that. So how hard could that be to assemble a gun? I don't imagine it comes in 50 parts like a Lego. However, they think it was too hard for her that she couldn't figure out how to assemble it, which kind of makes me laugh. Because, again, I just don't picture it being that many pieces. I think if you didn't know a lot about guns, you'd be confused. You but and again, I would both you have the internet. I'm sure that it comes with instructions or videos. So anyways, or blog so. posts about it. Oh, so. Lord. Then she Googled about buying a Glock and she was doing research on Glocks. Did they have a big kickback? She started searching for gun shops. Then four months before the murder, she went to a gun show and bought a Glock. She registered it in her own name. She admitted to police that she owned it. What she didn't tell them is that she also went on eBay and bought what's called a slide and barrel, which is... I had never heard of. It's used to disguise whether the bullet or casing comes from a certain gun. So basically you take the gun that you have and when you shoot it, they can tell what kind of gun it comes from. That's how they solve crimes all the time. But this thing you slide on, you take off the old slide, you put on this slide that you got on the internet on eBay and it changes the markings on the gun or the shell casing. I'm sorry, the bullet or the shell casing. So then they think it comes from a totally different kind of gun. So... It's very tricky. It also does sound like dance moves. The slide and barrel. The slide and barrel. Prosecutors think that she did this to disguise what kind of gun, and they think she threw the slide and barrel, which Katie is now doing the dance moves to, into a body of water. The two detectives take the stand. The day of the murder, they find surveillance footage at a pizza place. Boisselie? No. 
<laughs> Pizzeria? They find a van driving by that looks just like Nancy's. But there are probably a million vans like that. They need proof. They compare it to Nancy's van, and both of them have visible, dense scratches in the exact same place. Yeah. Mank says, in the detective business, that's what you guys call a clue. With a wink. He might as well have winked after that. <laughs> totally. By the way, the, the taupe minivan, the deep champagne minivan that she's driving around to commit these crimes in, I can't. I thought it was gray. It doesn't matter. It's a minivan. It's a minivan. Why? And she used her own car. Let's just say this genius who studies crime for her career as a writer used her own car and did all the research on buying a gun on her own computer and yeah. bought the gun in her own name. They find more footage showing the van arriving 40 minutes before the murder. Bear in mind, she was supposed to be in bed the whole time. And she arrived 40 minutes before. They think she was trying to find a vantage point to scope out what was happening. Dan arrives, goes into the building, leaves open that garage door, and then she was able to go in and shoot him. And they are able to track her van on these cameras driving towards home. She'd only have a six-minute window or so to do it because of when the crime was committed and when he was found. And when they saw the van. Yes. The motive, they think, was money troubles. Apparently, they were in kind of a hole. And Nancy used to sell life insurance. She knows life insurance, except she knows she needs to call the police to get them to write a letter saying she's not a suspect. Why would you call the police and say, I'm trying to get life insurance on my husband? It's very uh, can odd. You write me a letter. She had a bunch of policies totaling 800000 She had told the police 40000 She told the police 40000 yeah, I remember she said, it's only 40000 I wouldn't kill him for that. Girl. She apparently wanted more from life in terms of a lifestyle. She wanted maybe to be a Kardashian grandma instead of a romance blogger married to a cool chef, forager. Yeah. Blo- I don't know. She wanted to be a Fifty Shades of Grey type novelist, not yes. a what I was once married to a seal. <laughs> I say, don't kill your husband for life insurance. You can still feel like a baller flying high in your G6 with your Bombus outfit. Bombus is cool. It'll make you feel cool, but it also keeps you cool. Ooh. Bombus's mission is simple. Make the most comfortable clothes ever and match every item sold with an equal item donated. So when you buy Bombus, you are also giving to someone in need. My favorite outfit for this summer is what I call head-to-toe Bombus Balling. Bombus Baller, head-to-toe. Yeah. A.K.A. hashtag comfortable girl summer. I've got my Bombus Performance socks, which are made with sweat-wicking yarns, so my feet stay cool. I also wear no-show socks because I like my ankles to breathe. My ankles can't be contained by any man. Or woman. Or sock. I am a woman with ankles. Hear me roar. I'm sa- those no-show socks are no joke either. They don't fall down. They're the best. Yes. I've also got my literal favorite shirt. In fact, I thought I lost it in the wash and I freaked out, but I found it. I'm going to buy a bunch more just so I've backup upon backup. That's it fine. has invisible seams. There's no itchy tags. The fabric hangs so perfectly. It's lightweight, but it's not see-through. It's the unicorn of t-shirts. That is hard to find. 
Finally, my Bombas undies are breathable. They make you feel like you're not wearing underwear and you panic for a sec because my mom always said, if you're ever in an accident, make sure you have Bombas underwear on or something. <laughs> she said something like that. Finally, socks, underwear, and t-shirts are the three most requested clothing items at homeless shelters. And Bombas donates one for every item you buy. Go to bombas.com slash date dateline and get 20% off your first purchase. That's B-O-M-B-A-S dot com slash date dateline for 20% off bombas.com slash date date line bombas you're the bombas.com bis we love you bombas 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 summer thank you bombas <laughs> katie i've been feeling really stressed lately and when i brush my hair i have an actual cat level of hair that come out is that normal oh no that's bad that's called shedding but i think i know what's causing it because for many of us, stress is just a regular feature of daily life. Sometimes it is the feature of your daily life, if you're like me. And whether it be too many cooks in the kitchen or trying repeatedly to make an omelet without breaking eggs, stress <laughs> in your personal or professional life can trigger physical reactions, like dramatically increased hair shedding and thinning. But what's wild is that people usually lose about 50% of their total hair before they even notice an increase in shedding. 50%. Mm. But now there's a way to stop stress-related hair loss in its tracks and spark new, stronger growth. Pro specializes in custom hair care, and now they also make custom hair supplements that help reduce excess shedding and spark fuller, thicker hair growth with just two capsules a day. Ooh. Through an online consultation, Pros customizes your supplements to address all the factors that could be triggering your hair issues, like age, hormonal changes, stress levels, diet, and more. Pro supplements use only natural, clean, safe ingredients, not drugs or hormone disruptors. All formulas are toxicologist approved, gluten free, and vegan. And plus, they actually really work. Multiple studies show that over 90% of women taking Pro's hair supplements saw less shedding, more growth, and improved overall appearance in just 90 days. I know that I'm seeing an improvement in my hair, and I've been taking the Pro's hair care supplements that were recommended to me. My hair's looking really good. I think I've seen growth because I noticed because I diet thicker. so much. It's doing really well, and I owe mm -hmm. it all to Pro's. So try your own custom hair supplements and you'll get 15% off. Get yours at pros.com slash date dateline. That's P-R-O-S-E dot com slash date dateline for your free in-depth hair consultation and 15% off custom hair supplements. Don't worry about stress. Strike a pros. Pros, 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 pros. Supplements. Thank you, pros. So now it's the defense's turn, and oh they basically say she loved him. She couldn't have done it. She loved him, hmm. which Shane Bishop, the producer, pointed out on Dateline, if love was not a factor, like if no one who was in love ever committed a murder, there would be no Dateline. There's always love, but in all, there's always murder, too. So yeah, that's true. They go with what Mank calls the Saudi defense. S-O-D-D-I. It is... I feel like I need to do it more dramatically. Saudi, which stands for Secrets Only Destroy... Dateline Internally. Dateline Interns. What did you say? <gasps> Ooh, yeah. Interns is better. I said internally, but that's fine. <laughs> no, Saudi stands for 
some other dude did it. Is this new? How do I've never I've never heard this before. I don't know if he's ever said it before. I'm not going to lie. I may or may not have also thought that this could be the elevator pitch. Again, I was very confused on what that meant. (laughs) Does she mean the acronym? I'm so sorry. (laughs) I should have explained it. I'm sorry. I don't think you needed to explain it. I think you're surprised at how much of a bumbleweed I am that I could not figure it out. I should have just said headline. That's really what I, more what I was even going for. I don't know if I could have even gotten there with headline because this <laughs> I was all over the map. But anyways, regardless, this acronym is new to me, and I'm glad Love it was it. new to you. Yeah, uh, it did was. Josh just Especially make it up? the fancy graphic they used. They had like calligraphy, old fashioned. Who's working almost- there? They've got all sorts of new stuff this episode. Who who yeah. do we have that's new on the team? Yeah, is there some new intern or producer that is doing these? They're I think they're just constantly renovating themselves. Is that the yeah. right word? It's season thirty reinventing. reinventing. That's more that's what I was going one. for. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But renovating also kind of works. It's season thirty. They're just trying to keep it fresh, you know. So they went with an old scroll paper with this calligraphy. It was so fancy. It was really cool. For the way to do the, the thing that says dude in it. I love that. Yeah, it. I know. It was That's kind what's of, so um, funny about it. It's, super, it's fancy yeah. font and then it's dude. Yeah, I love that. Some other dude did it. That's so great. the other dude in question is a homeless gentleman who is picking up cans in the area. And they say he might be the killer. Maybe. We That's can't say rude. he's not the killer. Oh, Just come on. He's okay. getting the cans. He's got his cans going. Stop. So then they say they really weren't in such dire financial straits. They were digging themselves out of the hole that they were in. Did she overinsure him? Hogwash. Hogwash, <laughs> I say. Poppycock. I love hogwash and I love poppycock. Mm-hmm. And I really like hogwash. Mm-hmm. So he was insured for a reasonable amount. I have no opinion on that. I'm sorry. What's a reasonable amount? How much do you have to make to be insured for $800,000? Their house seemed nice, but they were under, they were not doing well. But that makes me think more there was something else going on. She was had a spending problem or maybe had put a lot of money into these books that didn't sell. Self-publishing, <gasps> no. maybe. Oh. Um, was she self-publishing? A, I'm going to assume. Assume yes, but I could be wrong. But I mean, he was making, he was cooking at several different jobs. But don't we find out at some point that this was just, she wanted to be different, even though they were okay financially, she wanted it to be different? No, they were in a bit of a financial hole. Were they in a hole because he wanted to retire and they didn't have enough to retire? Because I feel like that's a different thing, too. Maybe, but they they did kind of say they were going to sell the house anyways. They were getting ready to sell the house. Okay. I don't know if it was because they couldn't afford it or because they wanted to retire. But I feel like they should have given us more info. He's working extra money. The fact that he's working moonlighting after teaching and cooking all day, he's doing it again. That tells me they needed the money. We also know Portland's expensive, remember? Because wasn't that last episode with the pirates? They were yeah, they 15 had to a house. Yeah, they people living in that house. Yeah, exactly. Right. So, mm-hmm. all right. We've had two episodes in Portland, by the way, in short order here. Both Josh as Both well. Both Yeah. No pirates in this one. Interesting. That we know of. 
Yeah. Nancy, I'm looking at you. Mm-hmm. Were you a pirate? So all of this is a prelude to the main event, Josh says, the hors d'oeuvre. Nancy was taking the stand, which is the entree. Yeah, that is. And it's Josh also says, a terrible idea. <laughs> oh, yeah. From the frying pan into the fire, Josh says. Good one. Yeah, oftentimes when people take the stand, it's cockiness. They think they're way more likable than they are. There's, or they're innocent and they really want to hear their claim. I don't know what she was thinking. She comes off not great and the parts they showed on Dateline were really nice. There's a lot more online that Dateline posted. She's very combative with the lawyers when they're doing the cross-examination. Is that so? Yeah. So she says, they say, how long were you together? She says, 24 years, 10 months, two days. That's a little much, Like you miss him so much, you're counting the days we get. Okay, Nancy. No, Nancy. show here. Yeah. Yeah. Why did they ask her, why did she try so hard to buy guns? She went through all of this stuff to try to buy guns. She said, well, I read an article about a guy who bought a gun online and assembled it at home and killed his family. And I wanted to write a story about that, but make it a woman heroine instead. And she was scared. So she got a gun online. It's unclear. Essentially, it was research for a new novel. Like we always say, how do you? clean up a body for school project, for right. spec script. Yeah. She is doing for romantic suspense novel slash blog post for research. But then she says there was a mass shooting at a high school, which if you do the math was the Parkland shooting in Florida. And she said, well, Dan works at a school. I'm sorry. It's just horrible. It's so raw that all these children were killed at a high school and she associated it with Dan who teaches at a culinary institute. Not that there can't be mass shootings at culinary institutes. I don't really know what I'm trying to say, but the fact that she thought they were the same thing. It's not great. It doesn't make any sense. And it's also, if that's a lie, that's messed up. D- great And it point. is a lie. You know it's different, Nancy. No, it's messed up. It's all kinds of messed right. up. So she said, well, Dan works at a school. And so I told him we needed to get a gun. Not with children, not with kids. Right. Again, totally. It's not the same thing. Not that all tra- all shootings aren't tragic. That's not what we're saying at all. No, of course I think not. No, what we're saying. That's not real. She's no. lying. Yeah. And she says, Dan was in on it. He agreed we needed a gun for protection. Okay, but then why wouldn't he take it with him to the school if you were so worried there was going to be a shooting at his culinary institute, wouldn't he bring the gun with him? What's the point then? Right, exactly. But he didn't bring the gun to school. So she said she brought the slide and barrel for research for a story. So first it's research for a story, then it's for self-protection, and then it's, again, research for a story. So she has several different reasons for buying this gun. Then they ask her, what's your memory of the morning of the shooting? She has no memory. And I thought it's because she was going to say she was asleep because that was what her story was. She was in bed the whole time. No, she claims she has stress-induced traumatic memory loss or something like that, as Mank says. Mm-hmm. Mank throws in that shade. He can't help himself. That was great. So she says she literally has no memory from when Dan said, bye, honey, I'm going to work. And then... 
from three hours later when she got a call saying Dan was shot. She has no memory in between. And so police say, well, we saw your car driving around. We know you were driving around. And she thought they were lying, she says. That has to be a mistake. I, I don't know what I was doing. And then we cut to Mank driving, and he's talking to the camera in the passenger seat. What was that? seen very many times before. The hosts don't drive that much. But no, when they, they do, it's always noticeable. But he was doing a pretty good job of keeping his eyes on the road. I did want to say that. I thought he was keeping his eyes on the road pretty well. Oh, good for you. Okay. Yeah. So she now believes that during that time she went to Starbucks. I would love to know if there's footage of her at the Starbucks or a receipt yeah. or something. Anything? But then she's driving around. She disappeared into a world of her own making, sketching out a story in her own head, driving around aimlessly, and then coincidentally driving by the site of the murder. And the only time her car is not on camera is during the murder window. Because everyone else in the area has cameras and the Institute doesn't have cameras. So they don't get her for those like 10 minutes where it was the murder. But the rest of the time, she is driving around in that area. So she just sorely underestimated that there would be cameras in other places. And also sorely underestimated how much people would buy that she's this creative genius Mm -hmm. wandering around in her own head. Also then not writing anything down, just thinking about it in her head and remembering long enough to get home and write it down. Because that's the worst is when you think of something when you're driving and you're like trying to write when you're not looking. You know what I'm saying? If you have an idea. That's why you get one of those handheld recorders. It's Exactly. But no, she's just, she's that much of a creative. She's an artist, Kimberly. Yeah. No, I I don't, I couldn't relate. And so I don't know what Mm -hmm. that's like. I have one of those recorders but it's more for when i wake up in the middle of the night and i'm like send that email to bombas yes, exactly so that co- the coincidence that she happened to be driving by in that area and mm-hmm. there's no cameras on her car during the time of the murder went over like sweet and low in chef brophy's organic kitchen Ooh, that's a good line mate that was great Make- that's really good. That's very, so very good. So she says, it's not possible that I shot him, and even though she doesn't remember what she was doing. So this is that pirate show again, where that roommate of the pirate says he doesn't remember, but he remembers that it didn't happen, but he doesn't really remember what happened, but he remembers that it didn't happen. Portland, what are What's, we doing? It's the mushrooms. So... Yeah. She says, I don't know. I don't remember since I don't remember. I don't know. I, but I know I didn't do it. Yeah. And my and then she's like, my, your version of what happened is different than my version of what happened. Your constructed version is held together with Band-Aids. So she's very sassy. And she couldn't even come up with something clever. She used Band-Aids. She's an artist, Katie. The judge said that they couldn't use the blog. But they could use stuff from the blog. So they could use it to ask her, do you believe it, divorce is expensive? Because it said that. And she said, yeah, of course. And do you believe it's easier to wish people dead than do it, more than doing it? And she said, yeah. And she, do you believe anyone is capable of murder? And she said, yes, absolutely. But I didn't murder him. And I didn't have a financial reason to do it. And I was better off with him financially than having him dead. 
which does not make sense because with him, they were in the hole and without him, you had $800,000. So that is not true. The jury takes eight hours and finds her guilty. And she's being sentenced this coming Monday. So by this time episode, by the time this episode comes out, she will have been sentenced, but they think she's getting life in prison and she won't be eligible for parole until she's 92. But that I was surprised at because she got second degree murder guilty. And I didn't yeah. know that that carried a life sentence, but apparently so. And I, it's strange that it was second degree, not first degree. But I am, someone said it varies state by state. So maybe Oregon's rules are a bit different. Oh, there we than, go. Okay. So Good to Tanya, know. their friend, says she believes in an eye for an eye. So essentially, she just wants her dead. She just yeah. doesn't. Yeah. She, she just, just didn't say that, but she said it. That's what she basically said. I want her dead. Yeah. Now, Dan's son, Nathaniel, is glad that she was found guilty because he got closure for him, but also because he was scared for his family if she didn't. He became scared of her. And Mm. in the most beautiful symbolism ever, he's going to scatter his dad's ashes where mushrooms are. He's going to go foraging with the grandkids. That was really sweet. And he said like one of his favorite spots. His dad is like growing out of the earth. That's great. I felt really bad for Nathaniel, but it's nice because it means there will be life springing forth from something around him. So that's it's so beautiful. Nice. Yeah, it's really pretty. I love it. Do you have B-roll Bonanza? I've got a few. Lots of chopping. Lots yeah. of chopping. We saw chopping about 100 times. Lots of kitchen shots. It stresses me out. I am a, such a bad chopper. Yeah, never chopping is it's a skill. fancy skill, yeah. I mean, I think that's kind of like doing hair, right? You either learn how to do it or you don't. I don't think I thing. even know how to properly hold a knife, but I've been watching Worst Cooks in America. So I do yeah, know I don't one either. thing you're not supposed to do, but... What are you not supposed to do? Are you just going to leave it at that? What are you oh, not sorry. supposed to... You're not supposed to put your pointer finger out over the knife when you're But cutting. it seems like that would be so much easier to control the knife if you do that. Right, but Anne will go around and color red on your finger if you do oh. it, which is her way of saying, no, no. I'm going to kick you off the show this week. <laughs> <laughs> wow. <laughs> That's bad. Okay. The red mark of death. Okay. Yeah. The two detectives in the episode have dueling back-to-back laptops that are that is kind of like <laughs> dramatically shot. I thought that was interesting. There's also a huge clock in the courtroom. Did you see it on the judge's bench? No, I missed it. It's a huge digital clock. Oh. Big as my hands. I would find that distracting. I would too. And I knew a little bit about time from a different trial that I knew that time sometimes (laughs) plays a factor, but I've never seen a clock like that. But I haven't been in a ton of courtrooms, so maybe it's fairly... I also didn't know that murder trials had time allowances, but maybe it does. And then also... Nathaniel is in this gorgeous garden at the end. I don't know yeah. where it is, but every shot they do of Portland is just so green because it rains so much. So beautiful. Did you have some other things? Well, the romance novels, obviously. That yeah. was incredible. The the spread. I'm sorry, the romantic suspense novels, which I'm going to call, I'm going to call Rome, th- ro- ro- Romance. Romance. Oh. No, th- Thrillances. Thrillances. That's great. Good job. I like that. Fashion police. Nathaniel is wearing a huge turquoise jewelry bolo tie. We learned on Twitter that it was his dad's. 
Are you serious? Mm-hmm. I wrote, is that his dad's? Oh, you knew. Because it seemed like a special piece and he only wears it at the end. And I said, it is the bolo tie to end all bolo ties. It really it's is. It's massive huge. Massive piece of turquoise. And very symbolic to him. Yeah. That's very cool. Also, I have a fondness for people that go for bolo ties for some mm-hmm. reason. It's just such a strong choice that yeah. you can't yeah. I have to. I, I support that. Let's do titles. Oh, brother. I wish I had better ones. I have all these ideas of ones and none of them are that good. I know. Mine are not good. What you got? Uh, I tried to get somewhere with graders or sad sack. I couldn't. Sad sack of flour. Sad sack of spuds. There you go. How to not get away with murder. I had the exact same thing. How to not get away with murder. High five. We did it again. We did it again. High five. High five. And then murder on the menu. Oh, that's good. Because it sounds like an Agatha Christie book. It totally does. And is it In fact, it might be, and I might have stolen it. I feel like it definitely is. That's very good. How to murder your husband, colon, weighing the whisk. I don't totally get it. Oh, whisk, risk. Risk, weigh the whisk. (laughs) Okay, that's funny. That's very funny. Yeah, that's very funny. What about brophy wife? Oh, that's good. What about... Best murder plans didn't pan out. Nice. Pan? Yeah, I got it. Mm -hmm. What about... Oh, boy. I just wrote a lot of words here. Hold on, hold on, hold on. Oh, yeah, that was it. Um, Wrong never felt so guilty. (laughs) That was it. I don't... I have a lot of ideas here, but... Boy, I better do a really good description. Everybody watch out for the description. There might be a couple of titles in there because I'm going to be kicking myself. I was kicking myself after this and I was wandering around for a couple hours trying to think of titles. And I was like, oh, no, this isn't going well. This isn't going well. It's one of those days. (laughs) Yeah, I know. Some days it's just. Some days you just don't have it. I hear you. I'm ready for Twitter. Peyton and PJ said, should have called this episode Murder She Wrote. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. What's wrong with us? I know. Dateline producer, who was Shane, who is just a lovely person, said prosecutors pointed out that Nancy's phone had been tracked out of town near a remote target range in the months before the murder. So she was pressed. Oh, was that in trial? Yeah. He Mm. yeah. He also said she left her phone at home the morning of the murder. I had questions about the phone. Okay. Yeah. But she also was not very careful about it beforehand or careful about her computer use. She was really smart in certain things and then just really dumb in other things, like using her own car. Yeah. What was without dispute was that some months Nancy didn't pay the mortgage, but she always paid hundreds of dollars in life insurance premiums. Really? Yeah. Why were they having so much money troubles? Did he say? No, he didn't. And I'm wondering what was going on. I'm dying. If there, if there, I always think there's something more going on, like gambling. Somebody's a gambler. Yeah, drug, (laughs) drugs. Yeah, bingo. (laughs) Oh, he did say Nancy's novels were self-published. I asked many romance genre writers if they knew who she was, and got a lot of blank stares. (laughs) And then Natalie Bannon wrote, "Was that Shane?" Yes. Thank you, Natalie. Sophie's mom says, I guess she got her wish. Jail is a different lifestyle. Perfect. Uh, yeah. She said during the trial, Joanna wrote or tweeted, the, Dateline posted more of the testimony, and she's 
being just really obnoxious about the gun that you can assemble yourself. She says, well, it's not a gun. It's just pieces of a gun. That doesn't make it a gun. I have eggs and milk in my fridge, but that doesn't mean that I have an omelet or a cake. I just have those ingredients. That's not the same thing at all. Pieces of a gun that are used to make a gun. It's not the same thing as an egg that's not killing anyone that you can use for a million things. You also bought them with the sole intention to create a gun with those pieces. Right, exactly. That's what they're sold as, marketed as, and that's why you bought them. So she said, I got my detective's license on TV. She said that. So she does, but wow. she obviously wasn't watching Dateline. Again, she's terrible she used her at own it. phone. She went to these ranges. She used her own computer to do all these searches. She wrote the blog post, left it up. There's just so dumb. She's really bad at this. Yeah. So Sister Solly says, I think the detective should explain how he injured his forehead. I know it's none of my business, but I'm so nosy. Okay, so so many people asked the one detective has like bandages on his forehead Shane tweeted he had some skin cancer removed and he's doing just great but he said I know you guys are wondering and I wrote you know us so well because everyone was wondering I was hoping it wasn't something serious because I was like anytime you see bandages on a face yeah did he have something a tumor I was so worried (laughs) okay good okay he's doing great good 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 Kim, Anxiety Fries Kim, says, throw all of her absolutely useless crime writing back in her face, sentence her to have to read nothing but her own stupid books for the rest of her life. Yeah. Oh, Shane said, love seeing today's story and Josh Mankiewicz on the Today Show this morning, because he was on the Today Show promoting it. And Kimster wrote, who doesn't love seeing Josh? And Josh tweeted, murderers. Oh, Josh. (laughs) 10 out of 10. Yeah. 10 Uh, out of 10. Teresa said, my obsession with true crime and my obsession with cooking shows collides, which is very common. They always say, those are memes, like, what are you watching on Netflix? It's always murder or baking shows. That's what people are interested in, apparently. That's interesting. It's also what our podcasts are. So that's also fascinating. We're giving people We have our finger on the pulse, Katie. I, I guess. Charles said, if Nancy was stupid and sloppy enough to do this herself, throw the book at her and that blog post. Throw the cookbook at her. Throw the throw the romance books at her. Yeah, throw those books at her. And Kim said, she writes murder fiction for a living and still bought gun parts on eBay using her personal computer. Nancy's boomer instincts won out. <laughs> <laughs> they did. She couldn't keep them down. She no, had to keep going. She tried. She left the phone at home. That was the smartest thing she did. But then she drove the minivan. Right. To the And also, who else did this, Nancy? Right. Who who else possibly had any the reason to man. do this? Right. No one just walked in and shot someone, stole nothing, and left and was <laughs> like, You took my best mushroom. Uh, wow. I did say that mushroom foragers can be very cutthroat. At least that's what I learned from Bob's Burgers. So maybe they're extremely cutthroat. Thank you, everybody, for listening. And make sure you follow us on social media because I will be posting a side-by-side of Nancy and Tom Randolph. And you don't want to miss that. Make sure to follow us on Twitter and Instagram. And I guess TikTok. Although, I don't know. I've only All posted th- one so far, but... All of her thinks that the cats can be, he's been seeing TikToks with cats in them. So he thinks he saw something about some guy. He can take over. I'll give him the password. Are you sure? 
It's going to be all cats. Why don't we just make an account? He was wondering the other day. He's like, hey, is there a Cats of Dateline account? No, I don't think there is. And I said, I think it needs to be Pets of Dateline. We can't just make it cats. No, well, there's already Dateline Dogs, which is Natalie and Drummer, her dog. Natalie, would you be upset if we did... Uh, it wouldn't be competitive. It would be a totally different animal. She, I think be she'd be okay with that. Cats of Dateline. Okay. Yeah, but you better do it now because someone's going to take it by the time we release this episode. Excuse me, TM. Yeah. If you TM. take my idea, I am litigious. Yeah. In my, I mean, I'm not because I don't know how to do it, but I could figure it out. By the way, your nemesis Jill wrote me that Oxygen has, when they air Dateline episodes, they say, and remember to make a date with Dateline. Oh! <gasps> Should we sue Oxygen? Maybe. Absolutely not. We're Stay so lucky. tuned to find Stop out <laughs> if we are going to sue Oxygen. We need Oxygen to be our friends, and maybe they could just put a link to the show. Exactly. That's all we're They're asking They're not going to do that. Yeah. Thank you, everyone, so much for listening, and be your own blog. <laughs> be your own elevator pitch. There you go. Be your best elevator pitch. Pitch yourself. Bye, everybody. Thank you. Bye. Hey, everybody, you're going to want to tune in to Date with Dateline this Friday for a special discussion of my episode from last week called Murder in Kitchen One. That's this Friday on a Date with Dateline. They sell truffle oil at TJ Maxx, and oh. I know that's not real truffle, and I bought uh, it anyways, and I put it on stuff because it tastes good to me. So, oh, like, well, I that's think that's all that matters. I think it's a little bit like the canned cheese of the cheese world. It's not the good cheese. It's the, it's the squirty <laughs> the cheese. The kind you're getting from TJ Maxx? Yeah, probably. Yeah. I, oh, I will say I watch Below Deck religiously, and at least half of the chefs are huge a-holes. Huge. Yeah, so, who's the one main one? Who's the one dude that was on forever? Then he's only ben. sometimes an a-hole, but he's also charming and funny. So he makes he's very fun. charming and he gets yeah. the ladies without being so much of a looker. That tells you how charming he is. He could get this lady. I could see that. This really goes along with, again, A Date with the Bake, which if you don't know, if you're new here, that's our side podcast that we do kind of whenever there's a d- there's Great British Bake Off on. And... I always say whenever we get these professions and hobbies of these other these contestants on the show, they say, I am a nuclear physicist, but I also am a bookbinding hobbyist and I do metalwork in my garage. And I also completed a kayak across the ocean for charity. They just have these extreme goals and very driven goal-minded and they get a lot of they're not just sitting around playing video games no, or watching very cool TV. hobbies yeah nobody ever says i'm really good at call of duty no i play Fortnite, and right. this is what i do nobody watches tv no, no they are out there they're doing things very impressive things and i think my theory has always been that being a baker, it kind of lends itself to that sort of mindset, that driven sort of wanting to be active all the time and a goal driven, these hobbies where you try to get better at things like they are with baking and they attack baking like they do with their other hobbies. And again, this man, a chef, 
he doesn't rest. When he relaxes, he's foraging, he's beekeeping, he's gardening, he's composting. I don't know if he even owns a TV. Yeah, it's a really good point. I think baking falls into two camps. You're in camp one, which is what you just described, which is all the people that have metal work as a hobby on the side or these other things that they've accomplished. I am a archer. Or there's this other kind of baker. Camp two, which is you just really like sugar. <laughs> and maybe you were deprived sugary treats as a kid. But I'm in that second camp. Yeah, I, I, was, I saw where you were going with that. Yeah. And I think there's a lot of people like that, but I think the people that make it onto TV are number <laughs> the first one. Camp. Yeah. Number one. And also, it is really being a chef or being a cook, it means you turned your hobby into your job, which isn't that the goal of life? Why do you have another hobby? That is your hobby, and you turned it into life, right? Yeah. When I'm not working, I am literally on the couch. I have no drive to achieve doing your hobby, which is playing Best Fiends. Watching old episodes of Golden Girls. Right. 